0: Kirby, lovely check, Kirby, one nil. another one plucked from the top drawer from track Kirby. oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um... That's uh, really that's really it. I mean, goodbye, everybody. Podcast is over. Oh my god, <laughs> is my uh synopsis to that? Um, welcome to Fran Kirby's Fight Club. Uh, this is your one-stop. Listen for all things, Chelsea FCW, and of course, Fran Kirby, wishing her continued uh hopefully good recovery and um hoping to see her back on the pitch soon. We are going to talk in this episode about what do you expect? Chelsea nine <laughs> nine. Leicester City zero. Good lord.
1: The, the worst thing is, though, is that like normally we record on Sundays, but both of us were just too busy, so we've been like containing all of our excitement and energy since yesterday, and now we're just like unleashing that upon this pod. So when Andre said to me before the episode, "Prepare yourself," I, I knew what he meant straight away. He didn't have to say anything else; we both <laughs> knew our souls were aligned. We know exactly what's about to go down.
0: Yeah, I I expected a big win. I'm not gonna lie. Um, we had played mm-hmm. Leicester previously. In fact, uh, in the FA Cup, we beat them 7 um, yep. 0 recently. And that was, well, I think it was just last month, wasn't it? It was late February. Yep. And we played them again, and it ended up being 9 0. And I never assume that you're going to get any score line above five. Okay. I, I, we didn't do. Did we do predictions? We did.
1: Last week? You're saying that, and I'm thinking we did. And I said like, we said like two, we said we both said clean sheets. I remember it was like either two and three nil. Um, if anyone oh, wants
0: to go and re-listen
1: our last episode and call us well, out, well, I
0: was gonna say I don't know if we did predictions for this one because remember it was the Spurs match that was that was postponed. Oh, yes. So I think You're we right. did previews for the Spurs match, you but we didn't right. actually do for Leicester. And that I was gonna say I would have never guessed anything like. I think it's disrespectful to to assume that you're going to score anything over five. I think, honestly, four is probably like right at the line of disrespect. But (laughs) I would have predicted a big win. But nine, nil is just outrageous
1: you're right you know you mean when you say we wouldn't have expected it it's not because um you know anything about our team being lacking or 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 about as you say the respect of the other team who aren't doing so well at the bottom of the league but we've had quite a few of our players missing we've had to call upon a lot of fringe players um we've had to rotate our squad Uh, in a minute we're going to talk about formation we've had to shift between um quite a few of them and at the beginning of the month when we played Aston Villa we saw straight away that that was going to be a bit of a struggle but these last two fixtures I don't know what what's going on at Chelsea what they're drinking what they're being fed but you see these same players have just gone from like 0 to 100 straight away and oh my gosh I just want to talk about all of them so I'm going to wait I'm going to (laughs) try to contain myself and wait till you have listed all the goals before I start going into analysis mode.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let, let's go ahead and just get right into it, because it was just outrageous from, from the very beginning, okay? Like, from the very beginning, it's just wild how this went down. So, we started off in the third minute. Gua Raiten gets fouled, and she ends up taking the free kick. It's right on the edge of the box to the left. Beautiful pre kick. Bends it straight into the goal. It was lovely. Um, that was the first goal, three minutes in. Fifth minute, Sam Kerr gets behind the defense, has her initial shot blocked, then ends up scoring two 0 fifth minute. Bethany England two minutes later in the seventh minute <laughs> scores, <laughs> and Nowen scores in the eleventh minute. Yep. That was and that one was fun because that was a Sam Kerr flicked the ball on from a corner to Bethany England who had a shot, but Nowen looked like felt like it was going wide, so she ended up flicking it into the goal. It was a great, clever little improvised finish. Great finish from her. Then Bethany England scores in the twenty eighth minute. There was an injury, and so there were there was quite a bit of time remaining, or stoppage time in the second half, which I'm sure Lester hated. But it was when I saw five, I was like, "Oh, that's kind of brutal." Like I don't, I don't think Lester would have complained at all if you would have blown the whistle after a minute or right at or right at 45. But uh, yeah, they paid for it uh, again. Uh, 45 plus five. Gorighting scores again. Maybe a shot, maybe a cross. Given how she was feeling in this game, I'm going to go ahead and give it to her and say she meant to do that. Uh, that made it 6-0 at halftime, after halftime. 47th minute, Sam Kerr scores a header. Gets right into the goal scoring again. Let's Lester know, no, we're not done. Then Lauren James gets her first goal in the 88th minute. First goal for Chelsea. It was lovely to see. The celebrations was were lovely to see as well. Jesse Fleming then caps off an absolutely stunning bit of ball movement. I mean, at that point, obviously, it was already 8-0, but you just look at the way that they just moved the ball so fluidly. I'm going to talk about that goal more in depth later, but that happened in the 90th minute, and that was your ninth goal of the day for Chelsea.
1: It's, it. you know, I I do feel a little bit bad for Leicester because, As you say, it wasn't that long ago, and I'm looking at the dates now, it was the 26th of February, we played them in the FA Cup, and that was a 7-0 scoreline. Similar scorers on that day, and you would have thought that from from that result that they would have learnt a little something, Uh, but actually the results since then have been similar. They lost 4-0 to United. Uh, The Everton game, they lost 3-2, so maybe that one wasn't so bad. But the last time they did win... Um, was against West Ham and on the 13th of February. And I remember that was like such a shock result because it was like West Ham are a really good team and everyone was like, this is a bit of an upset. So they had been on a really, really bad run of form. And I think maybe they might have thought coming up against Chelsea now where we're missing Grant Kirby and um, a couple of players are returning. Might have been a good time. But you kind of shiver to think of what would have happened whether, if we'd had like a fully fledged squad, if Frank Kirby was there, if Leopold was playing in midfield. um you know, if we had the front three in prime, because it would have been way more than nine. And that's the interesting thing. We didn't have those players. We had the fringe players, but those were the players who stepped up, who have stepped up before. Um, In a minute, you're going to talk about the XG of the game, which you told me before, and I was like, what? No way. (laughs) But the point at that point is that we were so clinical today, even without the players who are normally our first point in terms of firing home and, and, and being clinical in the third. So... Everything about this, this performance was so intriguing. And the only thing I can say is I do feel sorry for Leicester, but it, it does seem that they're going to miss out on um on relegation unless Birmingham pull off an absolute miracle. More importantly, at the top of the table, for the first time this season, we are ahead of Arsenal by a point. And yes. oh my gosh, it feels so good. It's been a long while.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you know, I I saw anytime you see a lopsided win like this, you know, a massive win like this, you know, you're going to get people who just feel bad. And and, and how they feel in the moment is going to prompt them saying something silly like, you know, oh, you know, you shouldn't do that. Or, you know, there's a big discrepancy between the teams and, you know, you're scoring. But listen, we are in a tight title race. It is very, very, very within the realm of possibility that goal differential could become a thing. So scoring as many goals as you can against competition is very is very important for a number of reasons. And the other thing is, yes, there's a difference in resources and everything, but we say this all the time when we talk about women's soccer. You want to hold it up, or women's football, sorry, <laughs> want to hold it up <laughs> to a different standard and a professional standard. And sometimes in the pros, this just ends up happening. We've seen on the men's side, Liverpool and Manchester City destroy teams with massive up. Uh, Score line. So I, it only seems to become a real conversation in women's football, and I wish it wouldn't. Yes, this was a massive, crazy win from Chelsea. And, of course, this is a Chelsea podcast, so the opinion is always going to be score as many goals as you can. Uh, but I think it was absolutely just incredible how, you know, from a Chelsea perspective, you look at it, and, and Miriam, you're so right. Just these were players that I believe – needed a lot of time to kind of needed the time to come together. And I think that maybe what happened with the postponed Spurs match is that Emma Hayes was able to get them more training time on the pitch. They got a break from having a game every three days. And I think it was so important to say, okay, we lost, we're not going to have Melanie loopholes for the rest of the season. We need to figure out how to, how to put together our midfield and who's going to be in it. And I think the three players that she chose was perfect. This was a three, five, two that we don't normally see Chelsea in. But without Pernilla Harder and without Fran Kirby, it was time for a uh, a two of Sam Kerr and Bethany England, and that meant you could have another player down in midfield, and that is something that we haven't seen from Chelsea very often. So I thought it was a very very good move in order to secure midfield, and then also the selection making Aaron Cuthbert one of the midfielders as opposed to the right wing back, and having Neve Charles out there as a right wing back was so so important as well. I know I'm getting ahead of myself. I want to go through <laughs> the full formation. Uh, But just your, I want to stop there in case you have anything else to to add to that.
1: No, I think you're right. I think um, the formation we saw today, it was calculated. It was something that was intentional uh, for this game. Because as you say, when we're missing Fran Kirby and Penelah Harder, we're missing two big playmakers and that can affect our midfield uh, when they had to... you know, do defensive things. So I think the extra midfielder, the five in there, was intentional. It was something that was successful because Leicester City really weren't able to cope with how we were playing through their lines. I think having those, those this five midfield gives you an extra ball carrier, uh, an extra threat. Um, whether that's she or as you mentioned, Cuthbert, and I think it worked so well because both Samka and Beth England didn't have to do any any backwards running, any picking up the ball. They were looking forward, and all the passes and balls that were coming through were absolutely cherry picked. I mean, the one from I think it was Beth England all the way through uh, for where Samka had to score from the rebound. That was just that was insane. That was right through the middle of Leicester, and both of them were able to to focus on. Making sure that those runs were timed well and they went upside, and that they were able to make themselves available to be found. So I think that having that kind of formation worked really well, and it works well when you're missing two of your playmakers because it means that uh, we we don't have to slow down in a sense when it comes to counter attacks. We can stay on pace, uh, and we saw that today in Leicester just could not cope.
0: Yeah, let's let's go through the whole lineup. So it was a three-five-two as we mentioned before. Um, the back three was Jess Carter. And Nick Nowen in the central spot, uh, which I thought was a very clever move by um by Emma Hayes. And then Millie Bright was on the right um of the center back of the center back three. Then you have on the left, it was Guo Wrighton as a, as a left wing wing back. Uh you had your midfield, was really Sophie Ingle in the center, kind of playing that defensive midfield role, sweeping up. You also had G Soyun. And Aaron Cuthbert, kind of as your free roaming H G, was a ten from time to time. Uh, Aaron Cuthbert was a ten from time to time because of how much we had the ball. And then on the other side, you had Neve Charles as the right wing back. And then of course we mentioned you had uh, Bethany England and Sam Kerr playing the front two. And I just think this was so clever, particularly in the way that it was deployed, because it allowed having that extra player kind of in midfield. Did a couple of things from my perspective is is it allowed Chelsea to not get overloaded in midfield uh which can happen sometimes, particularly if you don't have the type of you know very mobile active midfielders like maybe like Melanie loopholes is you know missing a player of her profile is kind of important, so you can't just i would mean, you can and probably still could have gotten a win if you would have gone a straight three four three. But I think this is really clever in a way to dominate a match by adding that extra midfielder in, in the middle of the park because what it allowed them to do is always keep Leicester City off balance of who was going where, who was going forward, mm-hmm. who was dropping back to help circulate the ball, what was going on. And then you had wing backs get involved. So you didn't not only had to worry about runners from midfield, you also had to worry about Gora And that's why she had so much space because Leicester was like really, really, you know, they had to be really compact, and then you just left the wings open. And then I thought it was really smart as well because defensively, of course, we know Sophie Ingle is very, very good at breaking up play. It forced Lester to be super, super precise, which was really hard to do. You know, you had Jess Carter, who was really, really quick. You're not really going to get a ball in behind against her, so the goal right and then could push up because she had Jess Carter behind protecting that space. And then Neve Charles would sometimes slide in, to kind of create a barrier with with um, with Sophie Engel, so it was very hard to play through the center. There were a couple balls that got him behind, and that's why um, they got him behind on Millie Bright's side. So there was some space there to be exploited, but also it was it, Millie Bright is one of those players who reacts very quickly to things. Sometimes she gets she can react in a way that doesn't <laughs> that's not useful. <laughs> we we have seen the occasional Millie Bright mistake. But those in this recent run, and I would say basically all season, have been so limited. Like they've, like she hasn't done that in a long time. She has had an exceptional season. So putting her on the right and trusting her to cover that space was really, really smart as well. I thought this was a brilliant formation.
1: No, I, I think you're right. And the interesting thing about this now is whether Mihay sees this as a viable formation going forward, and how this fits into the the three four three and the four three three. So there's always. Constant, you know, pieces being moved, and I think that's such a hallmark of M. Hayes in the last season or so. There was a point where she was quite sort of stringent in, in the formation she wanted, and then the players she wanted. But as the team has improved, and as we've leveled up, so has she in in, in being a lot more flexible. And I think that works a lot because, as you say, there there's always going to be games like this when you need a rotational um, side. When you've you've had games every three or four days, and, and the break gives you time to really think about what might work for each team. Um, uh, it's, it's possible that, you know, if we'd played against Spurs and played against here, she might have not played this formation, she might have gone for something else. But I think she's had a lot of time to think about what she wants from this squad um and really nail like things almost inch perfect and to get that those nine goals. And as you say, it's needed because although we're just, you know, although we're top of the table, it's just one point, Arsenal have the game in hand as we do. Um, they missed out playing on the North London derby this weekend. And and also yeah, it could very much come down to goal difference. Um, it it happens in the men's side a lot, and it can very much happen in the women's side. So, I feel quite a lot of relief seeing the nine goals. I'm not the kind of person who's going to be like, well, is that a little bit embarrassing? Um, the players won't see it that way at all because, as you say, this is the business end of the season. This is how it gets competitive. Um, so yeah, I think Emma has nailed everything down to a, to a T, and I I'm especially impressed with Lauren Jane's coming on. Um. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about her because I was I was part of the Guardians WSL Roundup and in the discussion um in the comment section, they were talking about Lauren Jane saying how she's been wasted, her talent's been wasted. And I, I was just arguing saying she's needed a lot of time to come on. You know, Emma Hayes used to just not play players like that at all, but I think she's really sort of given Lauren enough time. When she came on in the Conti Cup final, um she looked really tired and jaded and she she was part of a goal that we conceded to make it 3-1 but in this performance where she's been given the time to flourish and grow you can see exactly where her strengths are she had so many turns in midfield where she completely switches things and opens up space in front of her she was part of a lot of the goals today coming on and I really think that this is a performance that encapsulates all of the players that didn't have enough time. Think of Gura Wrighton. I've mentioned this as an example. Gura Wrighton basically didn't really play at all last season. Um, and she's come on this season, have, has been tweaked a little positionally, and all of a sudden she's playing like she's never played before. Emma Hayes does that with players. She understands what works best for them. And she doesn't force things, you know, so she doesn't fit. Uh, she won't. She won't do that. So I think that Lauren James is a really good idea where this team could really progress.
0: Yeah, I think that's a smart point. I mean, it it is interesting that people have that position because Lauren James didn't arrive at Chelsea 100% healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a lot of recovery. And the the thing you do with a young player is you try not to give them a debilitating or a or some sort of injury that's going to be a problem or develop some sort of injury that's going to be a problem for their entire career. So I think being safe and smart with her getting her integrated into the team bringing her on as a sub as she's done in the past few games i don't really see a problem with that um and, and obviously particularly we're chasing another title so it is also going to be kind of difficult to say like you know i i get where she would have started at other teams perhaps but she wanted to be at chelsea she's good enough to be at chelsea and she's young enough to be able to wait her time for, for being at Chelsea. I don't think she's going to have to wait very often, but she or very long, but she just got there. Um, you know, wh- one other thing I wanted to kind of mention about this was just how fun it was to see a vintage Chelsea performance. You know, you mentioned Guru and y'all know she has been one of my favorite players. She's such a crafty player her left foot is outrageous she can put the ball with whatever curve or spin she wants anywhere she wants and I thought this was a brilliant kind of display of how good she is and what she can do that's why I really give her full credit for the for the sixth goal before (laughs) halftime sounds (laughs) insane to say right Sixth goal before halftime but I give her full credit for that being a shot because this is like when the ball leaves her foot I do not question whether Goal Wrighton is going to be surprised at where it ends up. I think that she always knows because she is so precise with her left foot. She, it's just one of those incredible things that that this team has that you said that you mentioned. Like legit, Goal spent a lot of time on the bench because of other players that came in. But we've talked about this before on the pod. Her very first season with Chelsea was outrageous. I think she had five goals and four assists. Or something like she had a very, very good season with Chelsea. And then it was like, all right, we're going to switch and do something differently. And things change. You know, we brought in other players and she's on the bench and comes on as a sub. This kind of goes back to the Lauren James conversation a bit too, right? Where sometimes you're going to be perfect for the game plan and sometimes you're not. So you just Mm -hmm. keep going and you hope that, you know, when, when, when your time comes, you perform. And that's what we're seeing. I think this is exactly what this performance was. The players that were on the pitch from even Sophie Engel, who goes in and out of the lineup from time to time. Uh, Neve Charles is in there. You know, Anik Nowen was in there. Of course, Bethany England was in there. And you're just like, these are the players where you're like, okay, this is your time to go out there and do something incredible. Get those, make sure you get the three points from this match. But if you can do anything more, please do it. And boy, did they ever <laughs> do so much more of the more because nine goals is wild. I th- I, this stat from Opta was blowing my mind. Seven is what it says. It took only seven minutes for Chelsea to lead 3-0 against Leicester City in the FA WSL. They are the first side to ever score three times within the opening 10 minutes of a match in the competition. When we say ruthless, Emma Hayes uses that word all the time uh, to try to describe how she wants the team to play. Three goals in seven minutes is about the definition of ruthless. <laughs> it's like the most precise definition of ruthless you can get.
1: And I think that's the thing, though. People don't realize that there's so many different ways that this Chelsea attack can expand into um, three goals in the in the opening minutes. That's just like, you have to come to a game and be so prepared to know that you're going to absolutely unleash your attack. In it. And I think, That's also the fun bit about it, because now when you go into other teams and other games, you might think, well, we don't know how fast this Chelsea team can start. It's possible that they could do that to us, and you do instill a certain level of fear into other teams. And I kind of feel a little bit excited about that because I think that's what you need as a team that's challenging for the title, that's defending the title. um So that's probably the fun element of it. And I can imagine Arsenal, who didn't play this weekend, thinking not only did they did their game get called off, not only did they not get to play at the the stadium uh, where the men's team played but Chelsea played they won, they scored nine goals they secured their 12th clean sheet the season, they're top of the league and the pressure is really really on
0: Oh yeah, I think this is going to be interesting, I, I do I, I do feel for Leicester in a couple of ways, one obviously being on the wrong end of a 9-0 is just brutal in terms of being demoralized a bit they also have to play Arsenal next <laughs> their next match Ooh. is against Arsenal so I feel bad for them or perhaps Chelsea just pissed them off and it'll be a tough match that they'll give Arsenal. I'm not sure, but yeah, I feel I feel bad for them uh for a number of, of of reasons and given this match and the way that it went. But, you know, I just I just keep looking. We normally do the podcast the same day as the match, uh but as Maria mentioned, we both had other things going on uh where we weren't able to find the time after the match to record. But the one benefit it does give us is that we are able to have the stats available to be able to talk about in this match. And I want to shout out Erin Cuthbert, because she has said before that her favorite position, the one that she likes and feels that she's best at, even though she obviously will play anywhere that Emma Hayes asked her to play, and we know that given her personality, but she loves playing central midfield she wants to be a central midfielder and that's what she's good at and wow she had an outrageous game lester part of the reason why the why it was so bad not only because chelsea were able to basically spring surprises and traps on on uh, on lester because you didn't know which players were going to pop up in which pockets and then of course the ability of those players was there again like the like Bethany england's passing is very underrated She's mm-hmm. she's able to really uh, find lanes to deliver the same type of assist that she would like, and so she had a couple really good passes. But so did Sam Kerr. Sam Kerr is also an underrated passer. I believe she had an assist for Bethany England's goal, one of Bethany England's goals, and so that was incredible as well. Um, but I think that what really ended up hurting Lester was Aaron Cuthbert and the way that she worked in midfield. She did not like when they would get the ball. She would not let them rest with the ball. She would not let them complete a pass with the ball. She had, by far, the most number of pressures in, the, in this match and, by far, the most number of successful pressures in this match. So, in terms of pressure, she had 26. The next highest was 16. That's so, she had 10 more, and that was Sam 10. Kerr. And, of course, Sam Kerr is just pressing the back line, whereas Aaron Cuthbert is doing it in the middle of the park. Successful- uh, Aaron Cuthbert had fourteen successful pressures. The next highest again cut in half it was seven, and that was Jesse Fleming, who came on of course uh later on in the match. She's another one of those players who doesn't allow players to rest on the ball in midfield, and it's just so great to see but yeah, I just thought Aaron Cuthbert deserved a super like crazy mention because. We are not able to keep the ball as much as we did. We are not able to find those pockets and pin Lester in the way that we did. I mean, technically, their setup was a 3-4-3. But because we were so dominant and so on top of them, it ended up looking like a 5-4-1 maybe, maybe even a (laughs) 5-5. I mean, they, they, they basically didn't have any outlet anywhere to go with the ball once they got it, and a lot of that was because of Aaron Cuthbert and then, of course, also Sophie Engel as well.
1: Tell him, uh, tell him about the XG that you were telling me
0: about. Oh my God, yes. So this is this this highlights Chelsea's absolute just just outrageousness when it comes to finishing. Sometime and the talent that we have, and you're not really. I, I want to preface this before I say it because you're never really gonna see like an XG above five. Like that's just wild. Like you're never really gonna see that. But if you think if you're if the one time to see it is gonna be when a team scores nine, but instead it was three point two.
1: It's just like that um, like that amount of clinicality for that number of goals with the kind of players we were missing. And it's just, it tells you everything. Like the pieces just fall together. And as you say, it's just, it's insane. It's because you would have expected it to be much higher, even though, as Andre says, it's not always the case. But um, that c- kind of tells you the story. You know, if you just saw the scoreline and you just saw the XG and you didn't see the game, the highlights, you know straight away that Chelsea finished the shots and the chances they had almost perfectly. Um But you mentioned that XG stat and I was actually talking to you about another stat that I got from Opta. And it was about how Chelsea have the lowest expected goals um, in the division this season, uh, sort of as a total. Um, The lowest amount of shots, the lowest uh, goals conceded, the most clean sheets. And we talk a lot about how uh, we've shifted the back three into a back four and, and, and all the various formations. But we don't talk about it. In the bigger picture. This is the best defence in the league. Um, and it doesn't matter that we've been trading Arsenal, it doesn't matter that we were the chasers, we've still stuck to our game and we've been absolutely perfect. And I can't think of any you know, maybe the Conti Cup final, maybe a few games here and there, but apart from that, our defense has pretty much been perfect and it's it's managed and it's endured changing positions and formations and injuries, and I think that in itself deserves like a special mention.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, I mean, there's just so much to love about this match. Like I just, I'm I'm going to watch it again fully and not just because <laughs> I want to see Lester like, you know, get destroyed. But this was, you know, sometimes when you see a match, this is like six or seven or something nil. A lot of times it's usually like, you know, there are multiple penalties or a team figures like a thing out and the other team's not able to adjust and they kind of do it over and over again and they score a lot. Or, you know, you have something where one player ends up racking up a bunch of goals, like three or four goals or something like that, and then a couple others add on the scoreline looks, you know, bloated or whatever. But this was one of those matches where it was just fun. Like that was, that's really the only thing I could, like, there were so many different goal scorers. In this match, the way that the ball was moving, the way that Chelsea moved the ball around, the way that like the team played overall, I feel, <laughs> I keep saying it, but I felt bad for Leicester only because they there's no way they could have keyed in on one thing to say, okay, we stopped this and we have a chance. Because as soon <laughs> as they would focus on one thing, Chelsea would do something differently. And then all of a sudden you have Google Wrightson in a dangerous spot. You have Sam in a dangerous spot. Bethany England in a dangerous spot later on. Lauren James in a dangerous spot. I mean the last goal, just look at the the passing in the last goal was absolutely stunning. It was Millie Bright sending the ball in to Drew Spence who was kind of playing in that defensive midfield role. She's able to turn her marker by just spinning away from her, then she plays a pass forward up to Sam Kerr and then continues her run. At that point, Lauren James kind of drifts over in order to be behind Sam Kerr so that she could so that she could pass back to her she gets the ball, but she's already got her, got her eye on Drew Spence making a run. Drew Spence's runs into the box the past couple of matches have been fantastic. And this was another one. And backhealing assist is apparently her thing because she collects this ball from Lauren James, does another heel assist to Jesse Fleming because Fleming basically makes a trailing run right behind her. A little slower, but th- because that space is going to open up and she hits it first time because she's anticipating the ball being sent back to her. I mean, that whole move was just like, what are you supposed to do with that?
1: <laughs> at any step, like, yeah. what was
0: Lesser supposed to do to stop that? I mean, foul somebody maybe? But apart from that, positionally, when players move the ball that quickly and they move themselves around that quickly, it's super hard to defend.
1: I, I think like when you're at the 88th minute of the game and a team is still doing stuff like that, you just got to kind of like put your hands up and say you know what we tried we came up against a really good team and there was absolutely nothing that we could do to stop them I I do think like I think about the goals themselves and I think of it from like a a Leicester perspective it wasn't so much like individual mistakes it was just that Chelsea were clinical they were smarter they were um, sharper almost in every way I think they were just outplayed and Nine goals. I mean, like that's that's just that's an insane number to rack up, and it would have been quite difficult to probably report on that. Um, so that's probably my only like negative aspect of that. If I was at the game and I was reporting on that, and I was waiting on like the ninetieth minute to see if there would be a tenth goal scored, that, that possibly could be a negative. But <laughs> I think I think we just kind of had to say that it's it's a shame if you're a Leicester fan, but if you're a Chelsea fan, you just got to drink it in.
0: Uh, Yeah, there's nothing else to do, but absolutely love this performance from the team. Um, uh, We've talked about it, you know, in this pod like earlier, but just the players that were involved, you know, the the setup that was used in order to plug them in. Just think really smart. I mean, I know sometimes we have tried to force, you know, a a 3-4-3 in order to keep things somewhat consistent. This is why I give Emma Hayes a lot of credit for her approach to this match, because sometimes you don't need that. You know, pure width coming from the three, four, three in terms of the wide forward three. sometimes you can do a three, four, two, one kind of deal, or sometimes you can just do a straight three, five two and I thought the three five two was absolutely brilliant, um, really, really. Pin. I mean, obviously going to say that after a nine nail win, right, but I, but I do <laughs> think it's a different formation that we don't see that often, and I think there was a reason why Emma Hayes went to it, and I think her reasoning was incredibly sound and incredibly smart and had a lot to do with why the game went the way that it went. But you know we look we look at it again. Looking ahead, we've got Reading on Sunday next weekend. Yeah, on yep. Sunday, I'll that's going to that be game. an interesting one because that is a chance for more revenge. Reading is is one of the teams that have beat us this season in the oh, league, boy. and that is frustrating. But it is true. However, they are currently eighth on in the table. Seven wins, three draws, eight losses. Their goal differential is. Negative nine,
1: and they have only picked up. And I say this because I was covering them this weekend. They picked up two points out of a possible eighteen in their last six games. Mm. Wow! So they are on a pretty poor run. They drew to Villa this weekend. Um, it should have been a winnable game, but they they are on pretty stinky form. So this, you know, this sounds like it might be difficult based on what happened early in the season. But I think that we are arriving at a pretty good time.
0: We might be, but also, you know, the, the results haven't been what they've wanted them to be. I kn- I know that, and they have had some pretty unfortunate, you know, results. But they are they are still can be, and we know this firsthand. Mm-hmm. But they are yeah. still in a situation where they can be very frustrating to play against. I mean that that two 0 versus Manchester City looks very routine. The Manchester City had to wait until the seventy third minute to get their first goal. 84th minute to get the second so it's not like they they you know scored earlier they got a goal in each half and it was fairly comfortable it, they had to wait it out for over an hour to be able to secure, see feel like they had the three points were secure the only positive though is that reading only had one shot not shots on target yeah they had zero <laughs> shots on target in that match but just one and so that's a little outrageous uh, but I also think they they had a nil nil with uh, with Tottenham with Spurs um, early in this uh, this year as well or this month I meant so yeah they they're an interesting team um, they do know how to set up to frustrate opponents I was going to say frustrated that frustrated yeah. the hell out of us <laughs> it was very annoying I hated that match so much so I'm hoping that we've kind of learned from that and we're going to be able to do. Um, maybe not 9 nil, but hopefully we can make it more comfortable <laughs> than, you know, maybe Manchester City did.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, MA Hayes probably should just be like, you do, just do what you did against Leicester and we'll be fine. And uh, <laughs> that's, that would be the extent of her tactical team talk.
0: You know what? I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame her, but hopefully she also has some, some sort of tweak in there based on, <laughs> you know, how the last match went because it wasn't great. Um... Before we move on to our predictions from that, is there anything else that you had that you wanted to say about the Leicester match? Because gosh, I yeah. like I don't want to cut us off if there if, if there's still plenty to be said about it, let's talk about it because it was fantastic.
1: To be honest with you, I think I could probably talk about it all day. It was just such a, a breathtaking game to watch. And to like I, you know, I was busy during the game and I had to come and watch it and see the highlights again and I was like I was so sad I even tweeted about it I was like I'm really sad I missed out on that you know but we get to talk about it here and I've watched the highlights and as Andre says it's probably a good idea to go and watch them again or or watch the full game if you can um but yeah if I had the chance I'd keep on talking about it but I do think we've covered everything and I'm really ready to move on to predictions which is you know my favorite
0: bit <laughs> I, I knew if i gave you the choice you would go to predictions because that's, tried your, to, that's I, your move
1: yeah i tried to talk you up a little bit but i'm not kidding anyone
0: ah <laughs> uh, that's all right um i'm guessing you're gonna want me to go first huh
1: uh i don't, I don't mind either way i think I have okay a well if you if mind.
0: you've got a prediction in mind go for it because i'm gonna think too hard about it and then say something stupid like i always do
1: um so like kind of based on my research like you know we talked about how they haven't been on good form but they don't really concede a lot of goals um in games or well, well, the games they've lost have been sort of pretty close and i think after you score nine goals in a game i think then you kind of like i don't know why i'm saying this is not based on any science at all i think maybe you just don't score as many as that again so i'm going to go with 2-0 um i do think it will be a clean sheet and i do think it will be a pretty difficult game because as you can say as you're saying Reading can frustrate teams they can stick to you they can have a pretty hard block um cut out those spaces but I think we'll find our goals so I'm sticking with 2-0. Yeah I
0: was gonna say there's there's probably not a lot of data on what happens after you win 9-0 because I don't know (laughs) how many teams actually win 9-0 so um so that's all right to not have that but it it, but it is one of those things where and we we have seen this this obviously wasn't a cup win like our FA Cup win against um Arsenal in early December that led to our worst patch of the season, but there is something to say about getting too high and we don't have to worry about that. We can go as crazy as we want talking about this nine nil. And I'm glad we did because it was outrageous, but I do think that the team has to make sure that they're level about it. They should enjoy it because it was great. They got to the top of the table. They increased their um, goal differential as well. So that's now a plus five. That's going to be very difficult for Arsenal to make up, particularly if they don't do their own version of a nine-nil, you know, to to Leicester, they're going to have to do something like that. Assuming Chelsea, you know, gets positive results in their remaining matches, and this one is important. Not just the not just the ability to kind of get revenge from a very poor result that happened earlier this season in the league, and one of the reasons, surprise reasons, why Chelsea is chasing the title as opposed to having been on top. You think about getting three points from that match, and we're comfortably up top. We're, we're up top of the game to spare. Um, and we're looking pretty good. But that reading match meant a lot, and it was very difficult. So we need to make sure you get three points from this one. Reading is not gonna make it easy, but I do think that Chelsea is going to get the three points in this one. I'm gonna go two one. I think it's gonna be stressful.
1: Ooh, yeah, I do
0: think it's gonna be stressful. Cause I, I think it's hard to come down from a nine nil <laughs> and even though they have a week instead of just three days, if it was three days, I'd be very concerned, but they do have a week and that they have a week. I think Emma Hayes can get the team turned around within a week to be able to approach this match in a, in a good way. Um, but I am concerned a little bit about the way Redding approaches the ma- uh, matches and their last approach to Chelsea defending Chelsea was very good. And Deanne Rose getting behind is always a threat, and she has, been, even though Reading hasn't had the results recently, she is a very dangerous player. So I'm, she's got us once, and I'm hoping that we are able to contain her in the reverse fixture. Yeah, so I'm gonna be looking forward to that. Uh, we're all gonna be looking forward to that. But the best part about the next match being a week away, as opposed to three days away, is we finally have a chance to bask in a win, a big, great. Beautiful, fantastic win, so I'm actually like I, I'm giving y'all homework, all right? I <laughs> want you to go and watch that match again. find the time to do it this week. Go and watch it again. notice what you didn't notice before live it was crazy. I was trying to keep up with all the goals like tweeting and posting them, but as soon as I would like get one of the gifts or videos, another person would score. And I was just going back and forth trying to keep up with it. It was outrageous. It was so much fun. Uh, but yeah, do that. Please go and rewatch the match because it was, uh, again, it was a total team performance. And I think that it's one of those very rare performances that you, that you, is it's a rare performance. You don't get to see them very often. And when this, this is basically like what Emma Hayes wants to accomplish when her team is playing well and doing the things that she wants all the time. This is what they can look like. And I think it's very important to be able to see, like, oh, yeah, it's a great reminder of, oh, yes, this is Chelsea. This is Emma Hayes' Chelsea. These players are ridiculously talented. And on their day, when everything goes right, they can do this. And it was just absolutely stunning to see.
1: I think I would agree, absolutely. If you were able to watch the game again or just see the highlights or just go through our feed or the, the Chelsea women's feed, just just take a moment to, to drink it all in. because. It's not just that we've done this, but it's also that Arsenal will be looking at this result. and probably sweating a little bit, which is just basically added joy. So why <laughs> miss out? Why miss out?
0: Mariam's being nice to you. She's saying, giving you the option to do the highlights instead. I'm going <laughs> to say no. Watch the full match. Because there were so many things that beyond the goals, in my opinion, that I think are really, really fun to see. Uh, really, really good to see if you just watch players' movements and how they interact, particularly the midfield it was very, very good to see. So, yes, I'm going to say you can watch the highlights. But I really <laughs> want, I really suggest you rewatch the full 90 minutes because it was worth it. Oh, um, um,
1: you didn't mention, if you do watch the full 90 minutes, make sure, like, you have all your stuff because as soon as, like, the game begins, stuff happens in, like, the opening 10, 15 minutes. And if you're, like, unaware or just, like, doing other things, you might miss out on a few goals. I'm trying not to give away any spoilers to anyone who's, like, not <laughs> see it. Just well, not I mean, if goals. you haven't
0: seen it, definitely watch it from the beginning. Like, don't watch the highlights at all. I know we read the stats and spoiled everything already. But if you haven't seen it, watch all 90 so you can see them, how, how rapidly they happen in real time. Because, yes, you have the minute markers, but in real time, it was ridiculous to see how they were constructed and the different ways in which they were constructed. But, yeah, um. Full match, full match replay, that's your homework, that's what I got for you. Mariam, do you have anything to say before, we anything else to say about this match or the Reading match coming up before we get out of here?
1: Uh, other than I will be at the Reading game, so if we end up recording right after it that evening, well, I think it's a pretty late game, Um, I will be able to bring some extra insight. Uh, so that's that's my only added point.
0: All right. I appreciate I, I love that. I love having you be able to go to the games and also shout out to you for doing that and securing that role with the guardian. It's really, really oh, dope. Thank you. Um, so yeah, really happy for you. Um, we are in the tight, tight, tight end of the season. This is going to be very, very interesting. We're hoping that Chelsea continues to roll. There are f- well, five league games to go because at some point we have to play Spurs twice within the next five games. So that's going to be unfortunate and weird. Uh, but we need to make sure we keep getting the three points, keep putting pressure on Arsenal. Oh, and by the way, about mid-April, we have an FA Cup final to play against Arsenal. So there's still a lot going on. Many trophies are on the line too. Well, two trophies are on the line. Uh, and Chelsea is there for now in all of, in, in good position and all of them back finally to the top of the table. Thank you all for listening to Fran Kirby's Fight Club. If you are so inclined. We would be so appreciative if you would rate and review the podcast. We haven't had some reviews recently, but that's how people find us, kind of going through the reviews. The more highly rated it is, the easier it is to locate and find uh, people are looking for podcasts on Chelsea Women. Um, we also appreciate, of course, likes and retweets on the podcast whenever they drop. So thank you so much. Sorry to sound beggy or whatever, but you know this is why, this is why we do this. We love talking about this team and we want as many people to join us as possible. So I'm done talking. We'll talk to y'all next week after, hopefully, a very positive and fun result that is nothing like what I predicted.
1: Yeah, I hope it's nothing like what Andre predicted. (laughs) I don't want any extra stress. I don't need that.